How often are you, you? Are you, you, when you show up at the office or log into Zoom? Are you, you, when you have a job interview or post something on LinkedIn? If not, why? We need you and we need everyone to bring the best of their humanity forward if we have any shot at this whole desuckifying thing. Bringing the best of humanity forward is the mission of today's guest on the Desuckify Work podcast, Paul McFarlane. Paul works in advertising, but more importantly, Paul works on advertising with an unwavering belief that brands can save the world, that brands can heal, brands can unite, brands can create meaning, but only if we put every drop of our humanity into the work. So let's do that. Things are on everyone. Okay. All right. Paul McFarlane, welcome to the Desuckify Work podcast. Cheers. Well, you had me at D. <laughs> I like it. We'll try to do our uh, our best at Ding some stuff today during the call. Absolutely. <laughs> so I know we've known each other for a little bit, but can you take a few moments and just give uh, give listeners a chance to get to know you in as relatively quick as way as you can? Yeah. I've been obsessively curious my whole life. Uh, my experience professionally is primarily with the global Fortune 500, brands you all well know, mm-hmm. but I'm a sucker for any business that's got something worthy for the world. Mm-hmm. And what I bring to the world is what you would call business strategy, pointing something in the right direction in the first place, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> creative branding <laughs> to find the most beautiful, wonderful way to express that. But mm-hmm. in my way, which is my slogan, bringing the best of humanity forward. Hmm. And there's a reason for all those words we can get into later. But yeah. and also, yeah. and also um, the, the two words, it's like wisdom at speed. Mm-hmm. Think of Gandalf riding shadow facts. I'm the horse <laughs> and the wizard. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've spent some time on your site and I do like, how you articulate who you are and what you do. And those are two good examples. I think we will probably get into both of those later, but I think that's a nice quick snapshot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the, 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 uh, the egg point of the matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm curious, you know, your, your, your experience of doing, doing your thing for a while, your perspective yeah. might be different than somebody who's kind of knee deep in the, in the corporate waters right now, but what is, what's your take on the state of work right now? It's no worse and it's much worse. Hmm. It's no worse because it's always been a 10 versus 90 world. Mm-hmm. In my case, one to 99. My job is to take that one and get it to two. Mm-hmm. Then I've done a good life. Mm-hmm. But it's worse in that on a regular basis, whether it was in the, the Egyptians who complained about the teenagers and the Greeks who complained about the teenagers and how many impressions and ads and things we see every day keeps going up. So mm-hmm. exponentially, it's growing. Mm-hmm. So kind of of everything we all feel mm-hmm. is part of why I do what I do, because we can't change that. We got to heal the human factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting the way you phrase that because even as you said, like it's the same, but it's also worse. Like I sort of got it 
Um, and I, and I, I wonder if part of why things maybe feel worse is just because we're so, we're so exposed to everything right now. So not only are people maybe having experiences at work that are less ideal because they're not as human as they should be and all that good stuff. We're very aware of everyone's experience. And so we can, we can feel the weight of that on top of it. Well, it's damn you technology. The Jetsons <laughs> era said technology was going to make our lives easier. Well, mm-hmm. but easier in a particular way. Yeah, push mm-hmm. button, things by the kitchen, implying that it would take away all our work and we would have all this free time to go to the beach and read newspapers and relax. Mm-hmm. But no, what it did, it just gave us more things to do. For instance, yeah. real revolution of the web wasn't websites. Mm-hmm online brochures and now that we don't have flash and people aren't doing html5 like they used to mm-hmm. back where we were they're essentially brochures online mm-hmm. but email changed everything because it added something we have to do and we still get physical mail mm-hmm. and every time we add another social platform no one even pauses to say threads where if uh, if it's doing anything for the human condition in a different mm-hmm. or better way no, mm-hmm. but you gotta put your stuff there too. And you gotta put mm-hmm. your stuff there too and put your stuff there too. It's that mm-hmm. manic, anxious thing that we can't change, but I wanna I'm gonna help heal that. Yeah, I mean I think like you said, it's there, but I think there's two parts to that. One is if more people think about it at all, really. Um, but but to your point in in line with like, is it is it helping us as humans? Is it serving us? Is it is it healing us? Whatever those barometers are. And then, you know, I think um, the flip side is now that it's here, how do we deal with it? How do we how do we integrate the best parts into our life, into our work, uh, enhance our work experience, enhance our humanity throughout that, while finding a way to to not get caught up in the things that have us, you know, just kind of wasting time um, with stuff that doesn't really matter. Well, we're already dealing with it mm-hmm. in the way we deal with it. Yeah. And for most of us, honestly, it doesn't feel good too much of the time. Yeah. So basically, when you want to change it in yourself or, or in others, you're asking people to either make a switch or a cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, switches are actually pretty easily. We used yeah. to have food and then we had too much processed food. And then we were told about organic food. Oh, make a switch. Dollar, two dollars more, I make a switch. Pretty mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. You tell us to cut something, stop doing something. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. Which is why the only way those kind of cuts can become really happening is when you kind of normalize and casualize change. Mm-hmm. And one of the I biggest see people who are trying to make change in the world, they allow it to look complicated, which tells people, yeah, but uh, yeah, because people, when in doubt, always choose ease, mm-hmm. convenience, even when yeah. it doesn't serve them. Absolutely. How, how, do you, how do you flip that script? How do you present change in a way that invites people in and it feels easy and convenient. Well, you can use all the tools, words, 
what are the sounds of the words you use in someone's head? Do they sound mm-hmm. easy, sound hard? Are they the right consonants, mm-hmm. the right vowel sounds? I'm serious. You got to use all the tools. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest mistakes when people are trying to say make a change in any way mm-hmm. is they waste too many pixels telling people things they already know. Hmm. Like if I've gone to most websites or social media pages, it's not organic search. Mm-hmm. There's very few things that people find anymore through organic search. The whole search right. thing is just gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. So I'm going from some reference click to something I saw. Mm-hmm. So I know what the subject is. And you go to a homepage, whatever. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But what, but, 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 but what? And that's mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. So, Assume and give your audience a lot of credit for being intelligent and smart. <laughs> You'll never get in trouble by respecting their intelligence, I don't think. And yeah. just simplify and get right to the point and tell them things they don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because I think our instinct, for whatever reason, is we need to set the table and to have them watch us set the table rather than just saying, here, eat. Oh, Problem solving, you know, we got to focus on the problem, the problem, the problem. Well, maybe, right. maybe you should ask, is that really the problem? I tell clients all the time, I will solve the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I might solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- at least in theory, right? You show up somewhere, you may, you know, your problem. You know, I don't necessarily want to read about that. I want to know what are you doing for me? Um, and I love your, your focus on the, how we say it, how it sounds, how it feels, um, how it looks, if it's a visual thing. I know you're semi-addicted to kerning, for example, like excessively uh, and apologetically. Those things are, you know, it, it, coming from the world of advertising, like those things get at least acknowledged, even if they don't always get delivered. But so much of our world and our life is messaged in some way and it's and from from people who maybe don't have the insight to know that all of those things matter so when when something is being communicated to us through any form through any medium not necessarily advertising it still matters how you deliver it how it sounds how it feels um why do you think people aren't paying attention to that paying the mean the people who create and publish and paying attention to it or the people who are supposed to be watching and reacting not paying I, I think the people who are creating it right we, we live in a hate this word but a content heavy world right so there is just an onslaught of communication coming our way and uh hence the it's worse because there's so much more right. yeah and, and it's it's functional look at automation at look at all the automation that people seek mm-hmm we only automate and we only seek to automate something we don't care about. Mm-hmm. If you care about something, you don't want anyone taking that pleasure away from you and automating it. Right. That's the thing you don't want to do, you know, which is why most physical human labor will sooner or later be done by a machine mm-hmm. because we want that. So when people don't care, that's what you get. And it shows you can see when people just don't care about something and more and more people seem to be saying this doesn't really matter <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and all the people say don't chase perfection just put it out there learn from it and then improve it mm-hmm. you, 
Gary V. Your agency has never done that. So right. it's not <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and there's there is a truism there, but it can be applied differently, which is to say, let's try to make something that truly values the human being on the receiving end of it. Let's try to communicate communicate in a way that they will <clears throat> receive it in the best possible way. And yes, we will learn things. We're human beings. We learn every time we do a thing. Um, but then let's really learn and let's really think, okay, what would be an even better way to communicate it? Um, and I think to your point, people who say that we're kind of iterating and learning and growing, I don't think they really bake that into the process very well. And then I think to your first point, there is a certain amount of folks who just don't seem to care about that quality that's coming. And my suspicion is that it is because there's simply too much. There's just so much stuff. I, I just, I'm, I'm basically vacuuming it into well, if you're looking at CMOs, I really put a lot of blame at Wharton, Harvard Business School, because mm -hmm. most new clients of that level come from one of those two institutions. So what's mm -hmm. being taught there? Yeah. Got blood on its hands. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I'll come back to that word content. I think that word content is part, part of the problem too, because it, it's an I don't care word. It is just a bucket of crap. That's I, all. Like, I don't care word. Fill the buckets. The um, thing is, I would respect anyone who had said, you know, I don't care. I just want to make money and party right. all the time. All right. Well, then I hope you find that most fluid way to get your money and just party all the time. Fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do side. Yeah. Those of us who care about the human condition, whether it was Rembrandt mm -hmm. or even what my favorite current agency, Mischief, does. Mm -hmm. because line name and quality work i hope long may they do that mm -hmm. and all us cat lovers we love them so um <laughs> but if they hey i'm telling loud and clear if they want to open an office in amsterdam i'm gonna run it mm -hmm. <laughs> but you either show what you care about or that you care mm -hmm. if you put a lot of just you just care about well hoping you'll get a one percent return on your millions of posts and that'll make you money or mm -hmm. you do one thing every three months and you show you really care. Say it's all you show what you care. The simplest mm -hmm. thing to a client to say, tell me what you believe now behave that way. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting concept that, that, that showed up there, which was, let's just say there's, there's more than two choices, but I'm going to frame it down to two choices. One choice is make a thousand things a month, uh, try to get 1% of it to stick and take whatever money that gives you. And the other is, is to do something really wonderful that demonstrates how much you care. And that might be one thing a month. Um, very few people, certainly in the world of advertising, can get comfortable with that latter choice. How can we get people comfortable with that? Because I think it speaks to not just advertising, but just this notion of we're sort of fast forwarding through our lives. You know, we're just living with the fast forward button pressed and we're just allowing all of the stuff to kind of just either knock and fall off of us or go through us. And if you had less stuff, but better stuff, you would pause, sit, reflect, feel, glow, and then move on and also then be sharing that same feeling with somebody else. And I it's sort of a constant pain point to me that we're 
we're living in the fast forward button, but you also can't say slow down the damn thing. Hmm. So how do you live in a world that's moving fast, but also get people to be more precise and more thoughtful with the choices they're making at that speed? Well, TJ, you're, you're going straight down towards the core of the suck now. So. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, you know, the thing you say, and everyone just kind of says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think about it is the speed of which we are experiencing everything. Mm -hmm. I can say, yeah, but I stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. And one thing I found is there are people who say, oh, my God, it's going to be Christmas already. You know, where did November go? Well, if mm -hmm. you don't want the next month to come too soon, pay close attention to now. Mm -hmm. Really experience November so December doesn't get here faster than you need. And there's mm -hmm. a very simple reason why, as we get older, it seems to go faster. Mm -hmm. Children, small, young children who don't know what anything is, are looking between the blades of grass and putting their fingers in this and tasting and smelling like it's all brand new. Mm -hmm. And using their senses yeah and we get told this is what this is that's what that is and this is where this is and we don't really notice it as much and we just skim across it mm -hmm. and the more the more we skim across and that adds the acceleration mm. i don't know how many platforms i'm on but if i let the platforms take over my mind mm -hmm. yeah, yeah notice more i mean if you want to be a good creative person you've got to be child like mm -hmm. See things like for the first time, the freshman, mm -hmm. just yeah. look at things, notice things more like people. Yeah. I mean, I think when I hear that, it's kind of like a little bit of the tug between art and science in life. And I think we, we need both, but I think culturally modern societies are heavily science dominated in terms of just the ethos, which means to me, Art is where the layers of learning go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Science tells us this is why an apple falls from a tree. Science tells us this is how humans came to be from the apes or whatever, right? And it's, it's important to know that, like it's great to know that, but the curiosity that we could continue to curate in ourselves, that childlike wonder, I think lives more on the art side. Right. It lives in that side of experience and emotion and feeling. And um, and I don't think we value that very highly right now. Well, we do and we don't. But actually, I go yeah. back to I have some scientists who are wonderfully childlike and just like, wow, wow, about mm -hmm. things. And, yeah. they're not, and they're not the real scientific method is just always keeping it loose. Mm -hmm. This is what we think we know, this is what we think we know which I think is beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the most um, controversial thinkers of the 19th century had a book front piece that said, the aim of religion, the method of science. Mm. Think about that. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. But um, the, well, I got too much energy that ask the second question again. Well, I think the question is like, how can we cultivate a companion to that scientific thinking, which like you said, it can be super curious and childlike and driven to know new things. But I think as a consumer of it, it can often just be, well, now I know that. Now I know that. Now I know that. 
the wonder disappears, right? Versus art, which isn't like, and I don't mean art just like painting or whatever, but anything that is that affects you emotionally, you don't sort of just know it and then you're done with it. it sort of stays with you. It it pops its head up once in a while again, and it, it makes you think about something differently, and then suddenly you're feeling differently about the world or or whatever. And I just wonder, in a world that is zooming really fast, in a world that is very driven by um, technological change, is is the art of life getting lost? And if it is, how do we potentially cultivate it more? Speaking of the art of life, there is a school in um, Amsterdam, London, and called the School of Life. Mm. Check them out. They're really, really interesting. They deal with families and relationships and people tackling mm -hmm. these issues at the time. Mm -hmm. but the thing is, you have to begin with, does someone want this? Mm -hmm. Why would they want it? Well, I would hope most people would not want to automate romance. Never know. Yeah. If you don't want to automate romance and you don't want to automate good food and good music and, you know, and sunsets and whatever, mm -hmm. you have to be honest with yourself and say, are those the things that I respond to and make life worth living? Mm. And if they do, if you don't believe, if you don't believe, you can bring that to your work. Pick a different career. So mm. just make some money and then get out there and do what you want to do. You see, you have to yeah. be something and then do it mm -hmm. to have it. And if you yeah. want to be a really wonderful creative person, you got to be it with connecting with something that matters. Again, automation mm. and just doing things and not caring about the typography and just, just putting it out there. There are people who do it because they think they're trapped and they can't rock the boat because they need they've got debts and things and they I need to keep mm -hmm. the check or whatever. Yeah. It's horrible. You know, that sucks. Yes, it does. Big time. Yeah. I mean that's that really is kind of the core of this desuckify project that I'm on is is like you said, figuring out who we are and who we want to be and then being able to live in that in work. Um yeah. and it's some people might think that sounds Pollyanna, you know, like, but I think it only sounds that way because it, it's been the experience that we've just accepted for so we many settle. of us. We settle. We settle. We do. Life. We only get what we say. Right. And I think, you know, it comes, you know, it makes me wonder the, the notion of work and its role in our lives, because I think for so many people, and for historically, it, it maybe had to be more this way. It was this other thing. It was almost like we're another person. We go to work and we do the work thing. And then we get to come home and hopefully have a couple hours of being who we are. And then maybe when we're 65 or 70, we get a few years of full time being who we are. And and what I'm trying to think about is. Is there is there a different path? And I, and I know there is because I've I've been cultivating it in my own path and I see people like you doing it. But how do we scale where work plays a different role in our lives, where it is it is a form of expression 
you know, it is a form of uh, us bringing passion and love into the world through something productive. Um, how do how do we? What do you think the role of work should be in our lives, and how do we get to that place? It's a big question. It deserves a big answer. <laughs> yeah, it depends where you are in this roundish planet. Mm-hmm. It's different countries, and yeah, different laws and cultures do different things. Mm-hmm. If one of us is living in Italia, we would get so many national paid holidays. For, mm-hmm. for, Catholic Church holidays, mm-hmm. uh, and you would get a thirteenth month salary. Mm. You know, the, you get in August, so everyone in Europe travels in August because that's putting life lower. And those are paid by the employers. And do you think there are employers who say, "No, we cannot do it anymore. Let's stop at this." <laughs> no, because everyone understands in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. the people who drive cars don't mess with the bike bike riders because they ride bikes too. Mm. Now here we have not in the United States not even one single day of guaranteed paid legal holidays. Mm-hmm. By law. Not one. Mm. So what is this all about? Well, yeah. welcome, my son. <laughs> welcome to the machine. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you recognize there's a machine going on, mm-hmm. you either relax and let it take you. Mm-hmm. You choose your battles or you whatever. So in other words, if someone says, I don't believe I can do what I want most of the time, mm-hmm. that's a belief. That is yeah. a belief. Mm-hmm. And if you believe that, then you probably need to find some other form of very easy, almost automated passive income to take care of whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, a good colleague of mine in Scotland, named Phil Tier, he has a wonderful little book called The Age of Imagination. It's a little bit of I mean, find it's about the idea of a guaranteed basic income and mm. how to an explosion of creativity. People mm. who no longer burdened by their cost of living can now start businesses and become artists and all these things. Mm. Yeah, interesting argument and very mm-hmm. inspiring, irritating. Nice. So, if someone really has something they want to get out there and they can't, they are frustrated. Mm-hmm their job or they think in their industry or whatever Mm -hmm. what makes you really really happy what is it you have to own that really know that for me it's several things but if i had to choose only one it's that moment when my idea blossoms in another person they light up Mm. that's like ka-ching yeah that's that's why i've earned my biggest money because i can do that on a regular basis but yeah is that for me is what it is and i can do that in a variety of ways mm. there's no well there's sort of a button you're supposed to be able to press like a linkedin when it offers to rewrite my post on um <laughs> it's yeah. like no nope. go ahead and try go ahead and try <laughs> Someone says, use chat tpt i try but it always says can't parse it or can't process it because if you've got such a specific great idea you don't need it right so, let's not get off in the weeds there but what can people do to, in other words, let's just call it what it is. If you think life sucks, if you think your industry sucks, your career sucks, your job sucks, mm-hmm. the first thing you've got to do is de-suckify yourself. Mm-hmm. So first of all, if you're a sensitive, creative person, remember anyone who ever told you in your life, you're being so sensitive, like it's a put 
I'm yeah. sorry. Sensitivity is our human gift. Yeah. No, schools don't value drama and music and all that stuff. Don't we throw all our money at the people who do that out there in the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a reason for that. Oh, no, people have a short attention span, but only we binge watch things. I'm come right. on. Yeah, and every movie is two hours and 42 minutes these days. Yeah. Well, there's the war between the theaters who mm-hmm. want, you know, a lot of time between the movies for concessions. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, so in other words, they're both correct, but you mm-hmm. got to figure out what is predominant. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I'm a predominantly very, very happy guy, mm-hmm. really a meditative guy, a healthy guy, predominantly, not always, but predominantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone's predominantly frustrated by trying to write things that people don't seem to value or design things or make things that people don't seem to want, it may mean that no one wants what you have. Right. It may mean that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've met people. I've met, I had a client call me yesterday. No, she's not a client. She wanted to be a client. She was telling me about what she had. And I'm sorry. She's never, ever, ever going to go anywhere because of the way she talks about herself and everything. Mm-hmm. She's just, off-putting yeah so if you think you really want something you've got to cultivate that and build up a deeper fire in yourself that nothing's Mm going to stop yeah and go full on with it because everything that moves the needle and turns the corner in in culture and art is because someone pushed a little bit farther with something how do how do dance crazes start Mm -hmm. one person at a dance floor a bunch of people decide to copy it it's no Mm -hmm. different yeah, no, I will. But you've got to do that inside yourself. Desuckify yourself. Desuckify the idea that things suck. Mm-hmm. Desuckify the idea that you can't and that someone won't let you. Mm-hmm. And if you want it bad enough, fucking do it. Yeah. I love that. And I think it it ties back a little bit to the like think about who you want to be, right? Like, who do you really want to be? So for some people, they might be like, yeah, I, I think I'd like to be, I'd like to have an engineering job. Let's just say for some people that might, wow, that sounds interesting. But maybe they're struggling to get into the field. Maybe the 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 coursework they're taking, it's just not connecting. Mm-hmm. Part of the solution there is to think about who do I want to be that leads me to thinking that. It may be that I just jumped to, I want to exist as an engineer. I want to have that title. I think it sounds cool because my uncle did it and he was cool versus really doing the work of going inside and going, okay, what, what actually motivates me? What, like you said, I get joy when the idea travels from me to the other person. Boom. Right. That's the kind of insight that I think we all need to cultivate in ourselves and go, what are those things? you think? What's that? Those moments, those micro moments that tickle us pink. Yeah, yeah. Where the joy comes. And I think, again, perhaps just because life puts us on the the machine train so soon, we don't cultivate an ability to do that. And I think, you know, some of what I try to do in the work as a coach that I'm doing is just that. Like, who, who are you? Before the what are you trying to get? What are you trying to achieve? Who are you? Who do you want to be? And then well, how does that show up in terms of the work you do, in terms of the relationships you, you develop, in terms of the places you want to travel to, in terms of all of it, right? That versus we, we sometimes work in reverse 
and never get to who we want to be. We just go, well, you know, my my friends went to Costa Rica and I feel like I should go there too because that seems to be a thing that people are doing now. Okay, who are you going to be for that week and a half in Costa Rica? Somebody who's having a lot of fun or somebody who thinks, huh, I don't get it. And then I come home and, and then I complain to everybody. I don't get the hype about Costa Rica. I don't know. <laughs> that, well, that experience. Let's imagine someone wants to be an idea genius that wins awards and eventually makes films and does successful TV series. Everyone's mm-hmm. got like, everyone wants to direct, right? Yep. Um, my suggestion is become that now. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you want to be uh, a big, the next uh, Quentin Tarantino or whatever, mm-hmm. all right, be that now. How would you think if you were already that? How mm-hmm. would you dress? How would you work? How would you speak? Mm-hmm. Emails that were full of desperation mm-hmm. or bravado, mm-hmm. you know, confidence. You have to be it, really become it. This is deep mental work, you know. But mm-hmm. let's like ask that question: Who are you? Yeah, I have a lot of experience in corporate culture, mm-hmm. and some of my best advertising work has been when I go into the culture first, find out who the employees really are find untapped positive human potential and make that a brand. Mm. For instance, I remember more than once I've been in a room of, you know, 30, 40 people and I ask a question, who are you? And get the usual answers. Well, I'm head of customer service. No, no, no. Who are you? Yeah. I'm an employee here. We're not, who, no, who are you? Mm. I'm a father, husband. No, who are you? And then someone says, you're a human being. Yes, yes, yeah, we get it. We're human beings. Mm-hmm. So what's human? And, and you tear away all the things that have been applied to them. And you mm-hmm. go to the core of what no one has asked them maybe ever in their life. Right. And they into that. And they yes. start to believe and they start to feed off of each other and it spreads. And then you tell the CEO, look what you've got here. You, we need to change everything. And mm-hmm. if they say, yes, I had one business. I did that with, it was uh, one used car lot. They had 70 employees because they also did service mm-hmm. to the cars and other things. They did exactly what I told them to do. And in six months, they went to four locations. They had people from local community organizations and churches call them up and want to partner with them. They had mm. banks call them, give them zero interest loans to expand and improve what they can do for their customers. Mm-hmm. They had public. And when people would go out there in the T-shirts that I designed, they went running up to them, screaming and crying, get the pictures taken with them. Mm-hmm. All because I asked the question, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. It's it's fascinating because I think, you know, you touched about culture and that's a, it's kind of a hot topic in the world of business and even in the world of coaching that I come from now. And, and I felt a lot of this when, when I was working at agencies full time, it was just like a struggle, a real struggle to get a culture that felt like it was, I think to your point, connecting to who's really there in the room who who is there not what not a copywriter an art director you know an account person and a strategist but like who and 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 who who they are means they can offer so many different things through the lens of that company that if you then are a leader in that company you go oh i thought i had you know jane the copywriter stacy the the art director and Phil, the account guy, but I actually have, you know, Phil, who is, you know, 
passionate about the ballet, just making stuff up here, um, well, and who who has a vision of the world that is is one that you know. Let's just say it's come back to your your basic income thing. He's a big proponent of basic income because he thinks this and this. Huh? How do we get that into the culture, into the conversation, so that we're not thinking of just the surface stuff, but we're we're bringing the well, I think I think you exactly use this line, right. the best of humanity forward, right? Isn't that your line? Yeah, well, see, the best of humanity forward means that there are things of the best of humanity that are not forward because mm -hmm. it doesn't bleed and it doesn't lead. Yeah, and finding the truth of a business that is a human goodness and bringing it forward and it doesn't have to be like oh human goodness. It can be funny and ridiculous yes. too. Mm -hmm. but anyway, that. Um, that thing you're talking about right before that is so damn important. I stole something from St. Luke's in London when I was visiting them in 2001, meeting all the founders, including Phil Tia. Mm -hmm. And he goes, just pull, throw a line, throw a line deep and wide. You don't cross it for anything. <laughs> I love him. He's great. Nice. But anyway, they had a thing called Flag Day, and I ripped it off. I told him I was going to, where the employees would take turns presenting their five favorite things. Hmm. And they had to be experiential. If this is my favorite food, we're all going to eat it. If it's a favorite movie, we're going to go see it. If we're going to mm. activity, we go do it. And when you deepen your knowledge of the people around you, mm. and most human beings, I don't care if it's a, a message group online or it's a physical office, something happens beyond five, six people. Mm -hmm. it, they break off into smaller little pods. They can be yeah. an overall lasso around it, but you get these kind of natural human connections. Mm -hmm. And if you know those people on a deeper level, it's very practical. I'm working on a problem, researching. Wait a minute. I think that guy knows, does fly fishing. Mm. And that is a very tangible business benefit, but it also mm. gives a deeper human connection. So people are more supportive subconsciously, mm -hmm. physically, socially, culturally together. And mm -hmm. that doesn't sound like something people want, whether you're all working from home or in an office, I can't help you. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a subset of people who maybe are just walled off to that kind of thinking. But I think for most people, they're at least, they recognize something isn't right in a lot of the cultures. And, and now this isn't just advertising. This is companies, just organizations, I would say, struggle to create cultures that thrive. And I do think it's it's partially because some of them ignore it. And just hope, ah, you know, when the mix is right, it feels pretty good. You know, Tuesday was good, you know, and then there's the the other side, which is super top down, kind of just like trying to cram a culture through rather than one that says, let's get to know who we are, even if there's going to be some turnover over time, which will, there will be to know who you are collectively at one moment. It's going to tell you a lot, you know, and then in that moment, like you said, if I know that somebody is into fly fishing, not only is that, like you said, helpful, eh, we're doing a campaign and I'm, I have an idea that it's an inkling right now, but I'm going to go talk to that guy who knows fly fishing, but also the, the connection that happens when people become human beings and not abstractions or titles yeah. is massive. Um, and I, I think that, my whole history, first agency that I worked at, I hung out in the accounting department. I hung out in the media department, I hung out with the account executives and people mm -hmm. hate me for that, but my best ideas came that way. Yeah. Culture wise, I find my experience, I find two basic kinds, a top down, 
Mm-hmm. And like Apple, I did some projects for Apple when Steve's job was still alive and some after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was there. It was very much a very simple, gee, would Steve like this? Would he hate this? Yeah. Very clear. Mm-hmm. It's dictatorial, but it's very clear. Clear. Right. And, and consistent. Everybody knows. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other is when it is an armature. This time of year, think of a Christmas tree. Yeah. It's a framework of agreed upon values. Mm-hmm. And department managers or division leaders can hang their own ornaments on it mm-hmm. and express it in their own way. But it goes to make that picture, but there's everyone to shine. Mm-hmm. And there, rarely can you combine the two. It's got to be clearly that or that for most successes, yeah. in my experience. No, I get that. I mean, I think some brands become sort of a cult of personality brand. And when that personality is so strong, Steve Jobs, um, people will will kind of step into it and go, okay, I am, am, am okay accepting the role as an acolyte of the Steve Jobs way. That is what I experience here. That's, and I know I will benefit from it. For others, that would never be. I don't know that I would have wanted that, but I can appreciate it. Well, that's clarity, see? And that lack of clarity sucks. Yeah. That's why when you used to, before we had smartphones, you go any place that had a map, you look for the thing that says, you are here. I want to know where I am. You know? It's like like most people, if you gave them a choice of having someone come to your front door every day and whacking you in the head with a hammer, Mm -hmm. or opening this door, and I have no idea what's on the other side, at that point, most people have only one question exactly how big is the hammer <laughs> yeah be like clarity yeah no clarity is huge and i think i definitely spent a fair amount of time in cultures where there was a lot of fuzziness um and it really was almost as though the culture could change day by day and it was just like who Which are you listening to that day what project is most dominant that day and what's the team there versus some sense of yeah we do have shared values and here's how I contribute to that, you know, as as the person who loves cats and the person who plays guitar and as the person who who loves living in the desert and is drawn to uh, both Van Halen and, you know, Bach. Um, oh, that's right. I just know. And by the way, you know how to pronounce the family name? It's Fon, almost like a soft F. Hala. 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 Yeah. You yeah. uh, always soften, drop the end of the end. So it's Fun hollow. Uh, that's right. And that's, you know, you are my Holland and Amsterdam expert. And I know that because we've had conversations. That's exactly a, a good example of if I was wondering about that kind of thing in, in, a, in, in a work environment, I would know, like, you're the guy who has the, like are zeroed in on that place and you know about it in a way that nobody else does. And it yeah. also shows me who you are. Yeah. Really well, I, the picture on my personal site just is a, a small glimpse of the world I invite people into to sit next mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. All the shit around me that I've absorbed, I have access to, and we mm-hmm. can find things and have fun with it. That's the whole exactly. Idea. I love that. I think that's actually like that exercise would be a really interesting. Like people talk about how do we onboard people into companies, and it's always uh, overly complicated or just not done. And I think, what if everybody just did what you have on your site? You show up, we're going to give you the day to just think about things that matter to you and, you know, pull it into a Canva or whatever works for you and then share it. 
You know, like what a quick and easy way to open that door a crack and get people to oh, be yeah. curious. But how it's expressed doesn't matter as long as people feel safe, seen, valued, and heard to express things that, oh, I couldn't tell people that. Right, right. Yeah, you definitely have to give people that that room. But I, I feel like if you start to let people show up that way, then I get curious. Like, oh, I see this. What's this the real quick quote? What's the real quick quote about our fear or dragons guarding our most wonderful treasures, you know? Hmm. Something I don't like know that. the quote. I probably, but... I probably mangled it, but it's that idea that yeah. the sore spots in us and the things we're most protective of are probably the most valuable things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's a hard thing to create safety in a, in a, in a group setting with people from all over and all that. What's your thought? Well, I'm saying it's not hard at all for me. Yeah. Why is it not hard for you? Because I love humanity so much and they feel yeah. like, in other words, I've been in Fortune 500 boardrooms, mm -hmm. even with a CEO. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff I do, I can't talk about because I sign things I'm not supposed to talk about. But of I course. can tell you that when you loosen the jar, and sometimes you use yourself if you need to, mm -hmm. people start to think, God, he's the smartest guy in the room. Then your opportunity is to dissemble yourself and become humble. Which mm -hmm. And then right. you got to sometimes find the introvert in the room and respect them. Now, some people try to draw the introvert out. Mm -hmm. And I do. While someone's talking, I see what they're doing. I just look at them and I go like that and look away. Mm -hmm. so, so I know and everything's okay. Yeah. They come up afterwards when everyone's left and they talk. And, you know, you yeah. the, but it, again, what do you care about? Do mm -hmm. you show and I care about life and humanity so damn much that it's like when I step into a room, people feel it. So again, like the cat, <laughs> like yeah. cat wants to know, do you know about cats? Yeah. It gets me thinking, and this is obviously a giant question, but what, why don't more of us care about humanity at that deep level. And, and I think on some level we probably do, but why isn't that at the top of us? Why is that buried down somewhere for so many of us? Why do you think? It's a beautiful mystery. In other words, if do you have siblings? I have a brother, yeah. Is he just like you? No. Did you have the same parents? Yes. How does that happen? <laughs> okay, there's the, there's the mystery. So yeah. why people, See, when I was younger, I pushed against a lot of things. The very first version of the 11 to 1 experiment site, if you find it on the Wayback Machine, it was against so damn much. But that was during the day. You know, I, went, got, I had like 600 emails from people who were so effusively in love with what we were saying and how we presented it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that upbringing you have, you either never change from it or you individuate from it. Mm -hmm. Whatever that imprinting is, right? Mm -hmm. The neighborhood, the family, the culture, the people who raised you, your experiences that tells you it's a sad, bad world. Mm -hmm. And then you're a fault finder and you rotate and you spiral into that. Mm -hmm. Or 
you get the sense that it's a wonderful playground of imagination and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And you find beauty everywhere and you find good everywhere and you go into that. Mm-hmm. I used to think people on the other side, like I did a lot of work in the state of Oklahoma. And um, for me, you know, you think of like Oklahoma City and Amsterdam. It's just like, can they be on the same planet? Mm-hmm. That's why I think South Park was right. The Earth is just a reality show for the uh, for out of space. Because who could put, I mean, giraffes and sharks and Chinese <laughs> people and Negroes and worms on the same planet? It's ridiculous. Let's see yeah. what happens. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think people were wrong. Because mm. I was so personalizing it, you know. Yeah. Me. But now I just realize they're just different. I mm-hmm. used to meet people. I'd say, "Do you have a passport?" No. Wow, I've got everything right here. Got my mm-hmm. family. I'd like to do it. Why would you want to go anywhere else? Just right here. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, okay. How mm-hmm. did now? It's like, tell me more about that. Right. Tell me more. Tell me mm-hmm. more. Not push against it. So yeah. I can't make someone want that, but mm-hmm. I can certainly promote it and say, Hey, isn't this cool? Yeah. There's, there's, you know, a curiosity that, that opens up when we stop judging that exactly. which we don't know. Exact opposite empathy and relations. Mm-hmm. Don't judge. You're curious. In fact, last night, um, I can say this, a dear friend who has continual chronic relationship problems She's with a guy right now. And I said, do you realize what you say you miss about him are crumbs that he gives you. And those crumbs are what you want. Mm. But you're someone who is all about those things. So those little mm. crumbs you give me, you're, you're latching onto. Now, mm. if, you're, if you're staying somewhere and you value the crumbs you get from your job, mm. you don't can have an entire meal of that all the time. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah. to one of us, ASAP. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that happens a lot. I think it's very easy to go through months of suffering at work and then have a good day or a good interaction from your boss or a client who throws you an attaboy and go, "Eh, it's not so bad, you know? Um, And somehow we, we sort of devalue who we are so much in that moment that that's all I need. Every three months, I need a pat on the back versus um, a consistent sense of recog- recognition and appreciation. You know what I mean? And I don't, yeah. I don't know what that psychology is, but to your point, we deserve more. And I think people you know, should be having conversations with folks, anybody who tries to see it differently, just to get exposed to the fact that like, we don't need to just have the crumbs. Um, we can actually have the damn cake, you know, right. and we get to choose what kind of cake we have. It's not just like if somebody's throwing chocolate crumbs that we have to then go get a chocolate cake. No, <laughs> we get to, we get to bake it. Yeah. So where do we get these beliefs from? You know, if you're raised, yeah. a child, you have two big mistakes you can make being too repressive mm-hmm. to protect them, and you'll have those problems or too liberal and you may have those problems. You choose your problems. But where do they come from? Yeah. Again, two children growing up in the same household would be so different and so alike. Mm-hmm. You know? It's fascinating. I mean, I, 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 I can't help but be curious about that. And I think I use that word a lot. It's one of my core values. And I think 
for me, if there was one thing I would just could offer to any individual or any organization, some shift, it would be take curious pills every day. Just down them and, and see where it takes you. I bet you it'll take you to some good places. You know, I try to sell that every day. You know, but <laughs> again, if people don't. I got to change it from they're wrong or they're suffering to they're just different. Yeah. And again, how can we use that and mm -hmm. celebrate that and value that? Someone mm -hmm. who is very timid. What's the value in that? Yeah. You know, Taoism, you know, too. It's like being in harmony with nature mm -hmm. and don't be something outside your nature. Yeah. Um, my TV show ever, Ted Lasso, there's a scene where they're talking about can people really change? One person says, well, no, but you can learn to accept who you really are. And mm. then someone else said, yeah, people can change for the worse or the better. Mm. Right. What do you believe? Yeah, it's interesting because I think there is a an interesting tension in that. It, it, it even comes back to like those who will say, we need to be ourselves. And then some people will be like, well, that's ridiculous because then you're never going to grow. But I think it's like this mashup of knowing our core essence and appreciating and loving our core essence, but then allowing that to propel us into different states of being that hopefully shows up as growth and learning and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's doesn't always fit on a on a billboard for people, you know. Well, this this might fit on a billboard. Uh, <laughs> I old man as a child, I'll probably be a young child as an old man. <laughs> I I can buy into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of stuff that might fit on a billboard, I want to come to the world of advertising a little more specifically right now and brands. Um, cause I know you have a pretty definitive perspective on what a brand should be, how it should show up and the power that it has. So I'll just kind of give that to you. What, what do you think about brands and what do you think their, their power is? Well, there are brands and people who plan to do branding who come from the direction of, well, first you do a logo and you work out your colors. And then, mm -hmm. you know, um, they're just different. <laughs> no, I hate them. I'm going to put them out of business. The, um, and then the other is like, again, like we are talking about people, who are you really? Mm -hmm. What are you really in the business of instead of, putting on a mask and applying something like purpose to paper towels. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually putting purpose to paper towels could be hilarious and wonderful. Mm -hmm. You treat it with comedy instead of with like, you know, mm -hmm. so brands aren't in a way more important than ever. In other words, digestible, simple, compelling brands are more valuable now than ever. Mm -hmm. when there are fewer people who seem to understand that at all. So to me, it's a wide open table. Mm -hmm. and, and really, whatever the brand is, the brand tells the truth and says we're here, like, for instance, um, Frito-Lay in general is one of the most plastic brands of all time. Mm. If you look at their commercials, it could be through an AI fiberglass filter. Mm -hmm. If you see any of their salty snack chips, commercials the people always have unwrinkled bags open with a razor blade at the top mm -hmm. ironed 
and they're eating it all the time, even they're a professional athlete, and all in the house are more of their products, all perfectly polished. It just happens in ad land of the worst kind. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it shows a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't you know that when people think about salty, crunchy snacks, Lay's owns the world like Coca-Cola owns Latin America? Mm-hmm. Act like it. Relax with it, you know? Yeah. Show the wadded up bags, you know, afterwards, after the party and, you know, mm-hmm. show what people ate. I don't know. There's so many other ways they can do it, but mm-hmm. they all go into this very plastic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they understand what branding is. Well, they'll say that is our brand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, beer. Uh, I'm letting the genie out of the bottle here, but, you know, I'm going to put an insight out there and an insight is an uncomfortable truth. Mm-hmm. In the United States unlike every other developed nation in the world that has one or more brands, the United States since the late eighties, no longer has a beer that exists for workers. Hmm. Yeah. You know, work is over, drink our beer, complete a project, drink our beer, launch a business, drink our beer, celebrate Mm -hmm. something together, drink our beer. People Mm -hmm. still drink beer. No one's telling them it should be our beer. Yeah. Club Ultra at least tries to say, if you exercise, here's your beer. And they do right. a pretty good job of doing that, you know. But I mean, cultures need that. Mm-hmm. And people, I don't stop drinking beer, but they've stopped gravitating to one or another. Mm-hmm. Budweiser, when they were number one in the United States from their aggressive driver sales program and marketing, whatever else, between 86 and 88, when their millions of barrel sales are just creaming everyone, mm-hmm. their slogan was, you make America work and mm. this buds for you. Yeah. Wow. Workers. Mm. I have that now. And why no one is occupying that space makes me wonder what people think a brand is and what can be done today. Yeah. Water well, seeks its own level, you know? I, I think, you know, I think there's probably a sort of culture in advertising story there, which is to say sometimes we we're not as connected to the real the full world experience as we are just to our bubbles. And I think so that in, in some bubbles, the, the quote unquote worker is not a thing that shows up for people. It's just not, I mean, you, you live in St. Louis area, right? Like that's, there's probably a different experience there than now I've spent time in New York. I spent time on the West coast, but now I'm in Arizona and there's different experiences in each of those. And you feel or don't feel the presence of quote unquote the worker very differently depending on where you are and then your willingness to sort of open yourself to that so i think there's an interesting cultural dynamic there that um could be an argument for expanding the notion of diversity to think about people who who are geographically Diverse. Why do they have more than one beer brand that does that in Australia? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are there cities and like country there? I don't uh, know. England, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Greece, Scotland. Yeah. You know, keep going. I mean, anyway, after yeah. the con, I'll tell you more about it if you want. But the point no, is, I get it. I think I have some What's going on today? Like I said, right where I said at the beginning, it's still a 1090 world or in my field, like a 199. Yeah. Well, you talked about telling the truth as a brand and that's a, a, a remarkably not simple thing <laughs> because 
Do you think most brands- It's simple, but it's not easy. Not easy, right? I mean, it's amazing how, how hard it can be to convince a brand that they should be telling the truth about who they are. So my first question for you is, do you think most or even many brands are telling the truth about who they are? Well, the biggest ones seem not to. Um, yeah. What business is Meta really in, do you think? <laughs> and are they telling the truth? Okay. Yeah. That's an easy one. Google, mm -hmm. uh, what business are they really in? And you think mm -hmm. they're telling the truth? Well, right. there are people there, I know, who say, yes, we are. Mm -hmm. Well, because over here they are, and over there they are. But they overall, what the public suspects or thinks about them or feels about them, I don't know. Mm. The human, the remaining brick and mortars, the remaining independent, the remaining local, like if wherever you live, if you've got a block or a street or a neighborhood or a borough or a city that has a lot of independent business that is still there, mm -hmm. hang out there a lot and look at what's behind the eyes of the people behind the counter and what's mm -hmm. behind the eyes of the people, the customers, mm -hmm. what's really going on and brand accordingly. Yeah. Or, yeah. Assume that every single person you meet is stressed about something, anxious about something, fearful about something, and brand accordingly. Mm -hmm. laugh, heal something, whatever. Just go all the way into that. Mm. Yeah. I love that notion that, that brands can heal something. You know, I mean, and I think, I don't think that that's a common thought. I don't think most brands are thinking, what can I heal? How, how do you, why not? Why not? It's like, if it's, every one of us would love to be healed of something, of course, it, could it doesn't be seem to show up though. hair loss, uh, diet problems, uh, loneliness. I mean, come on, we got all kinds of things. We want to be healed or fixed. Mm -hmm. And if we, we, our people work in the business and other people working in the business don't have those same things. What is there about where they work? They don't feel like they can bring that up into a meeting about what the business strategy should be, what the brand should be, what agency yeah. they should hire. Come on. There's a good question. Well, I, I think it comes down to like, I think we've overcomplicated so much of our process, right? And you, you talk about trying to simplify. Um, the simplicity of a statement, you know, and I can even picture this on a, on a brief, you know, what, what human condition or what human state are we trying to heal with this brand this effort this project this whatever slice of of the branding we're touching is so much more evocative to me you know thinking about the person who has received thousands of briefs over the years um versus like even slightly different language what is the problem we are trying to solve which then usually shows up in something like uh, the problem is we don't have enough beer cans in the hands of people and we would like to solve that problem, right? It just becomes something stupid and tactical and not connected to the human experience well, so at that, all. When you focus too much on solving a problem, you're always in that space of trying to create relief. Mm. Like, oh gosh, we made second quarter profit. Mm -hmm. what about relief, relief versus joy. Mm hmm how much fun it is to make money, how much fun it is to sell more, how much fun it is to do that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's, um, 
You know, one of the lines you have, I think, on your site also is make better things to make things better. And this feels very much in line with this idea that brands as one of the primary entities in our world, right? I mean, we sort of have the public sector and a private sector and the private sector is, is pretty dominant in a lot of ways. Um, but for some reason, we don't necessarily think they have the permission or can step into a role where they do actually make things better, right? It's more like, yeah, it's just advertising. You hear that a lot, right? It's just advertising. Um, I know you don't believe that. So if when you tell people that you want to make better things to make things better, um, how do you get people to be willing to crack open that door enough to go, hmm, I want well, some first of that. thing, those words are so laden and they're loaded. Mm -hmm. First thing to mind is a fourth quarter Sarah McLaughlin video with like, you know, wounded, dirty, sickly puppies. Won't you please give you soulless bastard? <laughs> That's a healing thing. Yeah. But you can heal by making someone laugh. Yeah. In fact, uh, you can't see it, but I have it over there on the wall, my daily non-negotiables and laugh is in there twice. Mm. If I find myself missing something, I find something that always makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. But laughter is so healing to actually chuckle and laugh and really just think the ridiculous but there's a sound for you is um you can't do humor if your brand and your business isn't funny you can't do social change if that's not your brand well you can and look what happens it's been done too many times yeah, and you think people would notice the carnage and say, well, we shouldn't do that either, but they should mm -hmm. do it. You know, you're yep. kidding, kidding to a porcupine. Mm -hmm. You've got to know who you are. And if you are got a very, very serious brand, well, see, the thing is, uh, Rob Schwartz's um, Basic Seven Human Stories is not the end, it's the beginning. So one of the stories mm -hmm. is comedy. And that doesn't mean that comedy is something you can simply apply to anything. But mm -hmm. you may have a brand that is essentially a tragic brand, but communicated with humor, mm -hmm. a certain kind of humor, right? You know, black humor, you know, which in case we don't know what black humor is, it ain't racist. That's it's dark, depressing, you know, that sort of little. I got it, but I appreciate you clarifying. We're all going to die. Let's have a laugh. That's, yeah. that's mm -hmm. that, which doesn't, which maybe that term is actually racist. Why do we always call something depressing dark and something optimistic bright and white yeah maybe let's fix that yeah i'm not let's sure the answer although i've always attributed it to sort of light let there be light the beginning that's life and then death goes dark yeah devil's food cake angel food cake come on you've heard this before so i mean yeah. let's actually think about the let's i'm gonna stop saying that i'm gonna find a different way to say that mm -hmm. it changes but if you understand what human beings are and you understand yourself, de-suckify yourself, de-suckify mm -hmm. yourself, there's your bumper sticker, mm -hmm. is understand what makes me feel good. And if you can't translate that into how you bring that to your clients and selling your clients on that, or if you're a client demanding that from your agencies, come on, if you can't do that, you've got a gap. Mm -hmm understanding and translating your own humanity that's foundational mm -hmm. yeah and if you can do that then anything's possible anything's possible 
I, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I also tend to look around, you know, in the real world and the, the virtual scroll that I see every day. And, and I see a lot of people who are struggling, people who are feeling hurt, depressed, anxious, um, wronged, you know, by work cultures that, that don't seem to respect humanity. Um, can this world that we have both lived in and live in and have come from this world of advertising and branding, can that thinking and can even some of these brands use, use the, the, the process of going through thinking who they are and how they show up as a brand to, to heal that condition? The fact that people are, are feeling so off right now. And if so, what, what do you think, what's our first step towards doing that? You suckify yourself. Mm-hmm. Here's why. I'm trying not to be existential about this, but I think it's quite practical. Mm-hmm. You either take 100% responsibility for the results you get in your life mm-hmm. or you're letting something outside you. Mm-hmm. And if you're letting something outside yourself, I guarantee it's not going to lead anywhere good. Mm-hmm. And the way into that whole new paradigm, I think, is this. You realize... TJ, where do I exist? Where do you exist? It's a good question. Well, then answer it. <laughs> you right now you're existing on my computer screen. I also know that you do exist in St. Louis, and uh, you also exist as a as a human who shows up on my computer once in a while, saying interesting things. Okay, all right. Well, you're pretty darn close. I only exist inside you. Yeah. Uh, if you see the screen, it's happening through your through my, lens. Yeah. And when it hits the optic nerve in the brain, somehow it flips it around, which frightening. Does that mean the world is really upside down? And you can't <laughs> handle it? Right, so that happens inside you. The sound of my voice doesn't exist in St. Louis. It exists inside you. Mm-hmm. Take in everything through your five senses or six, depending on how uh, mm-hmm. And you make decisions about it in your conscious mind and you immediately feel emotion about it and you physicalize it. Mm-hmm. it exists only inside us. Mm-hmm. Or somewhere exists inside us. Mm-hmm. Well, intellectualizing, we can say there are people there who are suffering. Right. And even thought exists inside us. So that to me is a step towards realizing we can and should take 100% responsibility for everything. If you don't mm-hmm. like the work you're doing, you can change it. If you don't mm-hmm. like where you're working, you can change that or you can leave and change yourself. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the client, you know, the riskiest thing most people could do, they're working in a small agency and they don't think the work is right with the client. They don't have a contact with the client is find a way to say, you don't know me, but I work at the agency. Can I go to lunch with you? Go around and piss off your coworkers and tell them what you really should do. And then they go to the client and say, You got a great person, and they feel bad. They let you know you did the wrong thing, but eventually they forgive you. Mm-hmm. You think that's my opinion? You think I have actually done that? <laughs> it sounds like a thing you've done. <laughs> I could tell stories. In fact, I started to. So the point is anyone, wherever you are, you can do that. Wherever yeah. you really want in life, you can do it right now where you are on some level. I was at an auto dealership once. There was a woman sitting there, and I asked her the question I used to interview. And this is a great interview question because it is invasive as hell, and it's perfectly legal. Yeah. 
can't ask what's your health like, how much money do you have? Can I see where you live? Oh, mm-hmm. that would tell you a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But you can ask this. Imagine in two weeks, you're dead. But immediately, you now have all the money in the world. So tell mm-hmm. me, how would you spend those last two weeks and how would you spend that money? And how immediately someone can answer it, how vividly they can answer it, tells you everything. Mm-hmm. So I told this, asked this woman, she said, oh, um, I can tell she was a single mother before she spoke a word. She had two teenage sons and she wanted to show them the world and how people are pretty much the same everywhere. And I said, do you have a passport? Yeah. Can you afford to travel and take them around the world? Oh, no. Do you have an internet connection at home? Yes. Do you, are you aware of a website called YouTube? Yes. Do you know that there are walking tours of almost any city in the world that you could watch with them and talk about together? Mm-hmm. Will she do that? Who knows? But every one of us, no matter what we want to do, we can do what we want to do on some scale. If you're not doing the work right, then in your spare time, build your portfolio and practice. If you're too busy to practice, that's tough. When you're not busy, it's your opportunity to practice and become who you want to be. Mm. Well, I think on that note, I want to start wrapping us up because that's a really wonderful thought that um, certainly hit me between the eyes. And I think it'll probably hit a lot of people that way and and, and get inside. Um, With all of what we've said, I'm curious, are you optimistic about the state of work in the world? Yes. Mm -hmm. Any, Any... If you could pick three things that are driving that optimism for you, what would those be? My own self-belief in that the world is actually becoming rather than going to hell in a handbasket. And I constantly find hope. I'm Mm -hmm. a good finder, you know, so I find things that are worth celebrating. gives me hope that people are doing great things for humanity. And fourth quarter, We've got these Christmas commercials, especially the ones in <clears throat> Europe yeah. that are worth celebrating. Because, you know, even the suckiest ones of them are better than most things most agencies do all the time. For sure. So or the, the spirit and the award quest or whatever it was that was in the thing. And some of them actually give me great hope. And I'm inspired by it. Mm. Yeah. I find comments everywhere because I'm a good finder. Yeah. I think that's a pretty great way to encapsulate the the how to be an optimist right constantly seek and find examples of humanity lifting humanity up further or go to go crash wedding receptions and just watch weddings and receptions that's practical optimism yeah 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 done a few wedding crashes in my day, although I wasn't really looking for optimism. I was just being stupid and, and maybe looking for a free drink that I could grab. Up the optimism the was there, but maybe you didn't. <laughs> different, different route, maybe. Um, yeah. So I feel like we've kind of gotten into this a little bit, but I'd love to see if, if we want to, if there's anything more to add. I think your last statement kind of covered this, but what would a fully desuccified work world look like if you could ma- wave a magic wand? We're predominantly not completely, but predominantly the human race was free to be childlike, curious, and expressive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Speaking of expressive, I ask all all of my guests, I ask if they're willing to do a a sound effect. And I know you've done a few throughout, but I'm going to give you a chance to do one more. I'm always sprinkling it into the, the podcast. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a cat guy, so I have a lot of cat sounds, but 
Any any additional sounds you want to add to our growing desuckified sound effect library? I can make a lot of interesting sounds. The one I decided was actually really simple. Yeah. And, I'll re and I remember because I was stupefied with my ability to make this sound almost spontaneously when I was a young teenager. Mm. It's percussive and it's that kind of like door knock sound that goes like that. You know what's crazy? The forcing the tongue to the top of your mouth with pressure and releasing. It's so weird that the zoom setting is blocking that sound for some reason. You gotta have a live performance audio on. Let me let just, me let me just, yeah. I know it's the one, one trick. Okay, now we'll try it again. Yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> See now Zoom. That's a good question. Is why isn't that the default that it's on and you should turn it off? Maybe because it pulls more bandwidth or works their servers harder. That's why they probably maybe it could be background noise. Yeah. So that percussive thing, it's like, you know, Beethoven's da 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 mm -hmm. And what answers? <laughs> I love that. Well, speaking of desuckifying, what uh where can people find the work that you're doing online so that, that they can get some of your desuckifying goodness coming their way. If you can spell my name, Paul McFarlane. And when I met Seth McFarlane, he signed my organ donor card because we like we had the same last name and put a T-H-E in front of it. You'll find me. Nice. I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Uh, my social footprint is embarrassingly large. I'm easy to find. <laughs> well, I hope people do, Paul, because uh, I think in addition to just being a really interesting and smart guy, you have a, a sort of a glowing energy that comes through in terms of your optimism and your, your faith in humanity that, that there's a bit of contagion that, that comes with that, that I think we could use more of. So I hope people take a chance to examine that, explore that and find a way to connect to it however they can. Well, I don't think it's taking a chance. Just do exactly what I tell you and everything's going to be fine. See, it's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Desuckify Work podcast. And thanks to Paul for bringing hope and humanity to our conversation. You can follow Paul on LinkedIn and check out his site at thepaulmcfarlane.com. You'll be glad you did. And I'd be beyond glad if you checked out my site at thepuddingfactory.net. Follow the podcast on Substack, YouTube, or just about any other podcast app. And subscribe to the Desuckify Work newsletter at tjbennett.com dot substack dot com. Bye, everyone.